Welcome to the Fustel Fit Podcast with your host, Nicola Fustel. Straight talking, body positive coach and personal trainer. Nicola brings you your weekly guide to finding real health and fitness and to live the life you deserve. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fustel Fit Health and Fitness Podcast and radio show on 91.8 Hayes FM. Today was actually a radio show and I spoke to my friend Matt Lovett from APS Fitness. He's actually somebody who's helped me tremendously in terms of my own injuries and he has a wealth of knowledge that I would love to share with you. So I hope you're going to enjoy the interview. I start by asking Matt a little bit about himself and how he got into fitness. I probably, I mean, I've been running around and doing fitness stuff since I could first walk and crawl, I think. Um, it's always been, sport's always been one of my biggest kind of hobbies. Um, and from there, I kind of got into sport school, started doing PE and things like that. Went to university, did sport at university, boxed at university, um, got into the gym heavily at university. That's where I actually met my friend Ross. And Ross is who I run APS Fitness with. So we came out of university, got qualified as personal trainers, started working separately in gyms. And then decided we'd had enough of that and we want to do it for ourselves. So we formed APS Fitness Limited, uh, rented a place that works as our gym, and uh, and we've been doing it ever since. That was in 2011. Okay, so good relationship there then. Yeah, with Ross. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah, I mean, we, we've got the same kind of um, belief system and thoughts on health and fitness. And it definitely is sort of challenging sometimes having two of you, you, you know, you want to do things all your own way and they want to do it their way. But it, it kind of has helped balance us out. Mm-hmm. So I can't just do what I want. I have to run it past Ross and then he'll say, well, what about this? And so it's, it's helped us definitely form more balanced opinions rather than just whatever I want to do or whatever he wanted to do. So it's challenging at times. It takes, things take longer when you've got two opinions. But yeah, it works really well. So take us back to the beginning, and you've mentioned a lot of fitness things that you did already throughout your life. Have you always been fit? Was it your family that got you into fitness, or were there any like major influences in your life? Um, I don't know. I mean, I was always into to football. My uh, mum's side of the family were into football, uh, so I became a big Arsenal fan when I was younger and went to football and stuff. So I was always into that. That was all I did at playtime, was play football and stuff. I don't really know where it came from. And yeah, every time I saw a sport, I wanted to try it. So I probably, I've I've never been the best at anything, but I've dabbled at everything. Tennis, football, rugby, golf, boxing, MMA, jiu-jitsu, kickboxing. I've done scuba diving. I met around with slacklining, bungee. So anything physical, uh, I've always liked. So So it sounds like more of the fun element and not really seeing it as traditional exercise. You just like to do sports and just get involved with moving your body. Yeah, that's definitely how it started. And then probably when I was sort of 10, 12, 13, you started to, like, I realised that the sports people went to the gym. So then I got obsessed with, well, well how many push-ups can I do? How do you do a pull-up? Uh, and got more into it that way. And then as soon as I could join the gym, join a gym. Um, and then university was kind of when I got big into the, the gym and more traditional training. That's interesting. That's normally where people slack off when they go uni, drink lots of alcohol. <laughs> yeah, we did both. So we Have bad food habits. <laughs> it would it would usually just be sort of night out, wake up, uh, and go and sweat it out at the the gym. Yeah, we got quite heavily into it, and that's and we started to kind of me and Ross started to read books on training stuff from the university library, and that's kind of where the, the seed got planted because we'd get asked questions when we're in the gym. Are you guys always here? What do you do? How can I do this? And so then we kind of realised, well, 
this might be quite a fun job. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how, yeah, that's how we got started. Tell us about your background in sports, because I think you mentioned to me before you did jiu-jitsu or some kind of martial arts. Yeah, so I did, I, first sort of combat thing was boxing, that was at university, and then someone introduced me to the idea of MMA, um, which I went and did, and I did that for a few years. Uh, got into the kickboxing side of it, got into the wrestling side of it, and obviously the jiu-jitsu side of it. And now, really, I kind of got a bit bored of being kicked in the face and kicked in the leg and stuff. It's quite hard to do your job as a sort of health and fitness coach trying to demonstrate squats and lunges when you've been kicked in the leg the night before. Uh, so I kind of gave up on that and just focused on the jiu-jitsu side of it now. Um, and I've been doing kind of straight jiu-jitsu for a couple of years now. Okay, and how are you finding that? Yeah, really good. Yeah, I, I, when I started doing jiu-jitsu, there are two sides of jiu-jitsu. There's the, the gi element, which is where you wear like your outfits, like the, the judo karate kind of outfit. And then there's nogi where you wear shorts and a top, and that's more the MMA side of it. Um, and I got into that side first, and then I started to do the more traditional side. It was a bit weird because it's a bit like wearing your pajamas and rolling around with people. But yeah, I've got into that recently, and that's going really well. And I just recently went up a ranking belt, which is always satisfying. So yeah, it's going well. Thank you. <laughs> so your business, Apps Fitness, what does the, the APS stand for? And can you tell us a little bit about what it's about? Like, who, who are your clients? So it started, I don't, <laughs> we got obsessed with the idea of an acronym when we started. I don't know why. Uh, I would definitely advise anyone that's going to do a business now to not worry about the name. Because it seemed like the most important thing at the time. And now not only do people say apps instead of APS and all sorts of different variations, it doesn't really matter, we could have been called anything. But the APS originally stood for Aspire, Perform, Succeed. As in, like, that was the idea of you would have an aspiration, mm-hmm. you would then have to go do some and performance. I just got it wrong as well, didn't I? <laughs> and, yeah, everyone does. It doesn't, it literally, but it doesn't matter. It, people don't seem to mind. It doesn't matter. We could say we were apps, we could say we were APS, and no one really seems to mind. Obviously, APS is quite nice. We have jumpers and stuff, and we could put the, the, the three letters on. Um, yeah, so that was that. We started off as a very kind of traditional personal training company. So we were working with people that wanted to um, look better, uh, do better at sport and things like that. And slowly but surely, we've kind of specialised more in sort of pain rehab and performance side of it. That's kind of where we specialise now. Um, it really stemmed from the fact that everyone we were working with was injured or in pain, be it really bad sporting injuries, chronic problems such as arthritis and things like that, or even just niggly neck pain, shoulder pain, back pain. So we had to work out how to deal with that because they couldn't do the training we wanted them to because they were hurt. And so we, not having necessarily a sort of doctor's background or a physio's uh, background, we just started doing things logically, trying to get the body to work sort of back to basics and, and work properly. And we solved a lot of pain and problems that way. So we've just started to specialise more and more, learn more about it, refine what we do. And uh, and also we're quite, obviously, me and Ross being quite sporty, we're quite uh, keen on sports performance and how you improve that. So we've kind of ended up, um, especially on those two areas, we definitely have lots of clients that still want to lose weight and stuff. And I mean, that's a part of it. I mean, some of pain rehab is losing some weight and stuff, but we don't make that the overall goal we make kind of health and well-being the main goal and you know weight loss and body image is a part of that mm-hmm. but yeah so we've kind of gone from originally from the the classic gym goals to a bit more sports performance but also just day-to-day well-being we have people that come to us because they're in pain when they garden that's their main passion is gardening and they want to they don't want back pain while they do it so we help them with that 
And you've got your own experiences with injuries, haven't you? I have, yeah, numerous. Do you want to tell us about those? Because actually, something that you said to me really stuck with me in my mind, and that was um, about being like an athlete, training like an athlete, but not having the the reward. Yeah. Can you explain that? I can't remember exactly what you said, but it, it really stuck with me. Yeah, so I think, I mean... I was, I was really into sport when I was a kid, and I think the, the idea of being a professional sportsman was always in my head. It just turned out I didn't have the talent to go with that. So I was always obsessively reading, you know, how does David Beckham train? How does Mike Tyson train? How does Usain Bolt train? I wanted to be like these guys. And I did, I trained like them. I mean, at one point when I was working at uh, a gym, I think I was training sort of 12 to 14 hours a week during multiple sessions a day doing the MMA as well and stuff and in the end I was just broken so I had back problems um, early on kind of at the gym I had back problems where I couldn't really put on my sock properly um, which was quite painful and I was told by physios and things to not lift weights or do any of that stuff anymore um, which I managed to solve by stretching my glutes so the physios that told me never did lift weights just didn't realise that I had very tight glutes um, and this is when I kind of got interested in the Ah, well, if they didn't know the answer, why was that so simple, yet no one knew how to do that? Um, so that kind of got the ball rolling for that kind of thing. And yeah, so, and then I also suffered when I first started the business with complete exhaustion from what they call like adrenal fatigue, when your your body's just too stressed, hormone levels are all over the place, um, and it's just too much training. And, and really, we ca- I, ca- I came to the realisation that y- if you train like all the athlete programmes they put out there, you're not resting like an athlete. So an athlete will go train in the morning and then be driven off somewhere, have a nap, be fed the best food, and then come back later. Well, that's completely different to having a training session in the morning then go and working a nine-hour, ten-hour job, especially a job um, such as personal training where it's physical, you know, you're lifting weights for people, you're on your feet all day, and then training again. You're just getting into more and more of an energy deficit. You're not recovering enough. And I don't necessarily think that the fitness magazines and stuff emphasise what an athlete is actually doing most athletes are super selfish they're not um and they kind of need to be but they're not necessarily um looking after all the kids or doing the food shopping or doing the the of course they are and and also they're they're only focused on one thing all they want to do is is be the best athlete that they can be which is awesome but if you're also trying to be a great mum and you're trying to cook well and you're trying to be a great accountant or lawyer or whatever it is you're doing you 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 can't be the best at everything so trying to train like they are is you're just knackering yourself out and so that's where I me and Ross then started to come up with the idea well how can you be how can the normal average day person be as healthy and fit as possible without training because like, they can't do it like that you, you get busted up and you get injured so almost what's the minimum that people that have normal 9 to 5 lives have got very little time and energy so what are the right things to do to to stay healthy and and also kind of be at your best and that's i think it's nice the way that you put it like that and i imagine a lot of people come to you and think they want to be perfect and they want to look a certain way and it's all about aesthetics or weight loss um and then you put it in a nice way to them and you're also very realistic with what you can do and in terms of their lifestyle as well so you make it all fit in nicely and it's all balanced i think a lot of trainers still people will come in and say this is my goal and they say okay then I'll help you with that. Yeah, and the the thing is, is that I definitely used to do that because you don't want to turn around to someone and say, "No, it's a stupid goal." <laughs> you don't want that. But the the trouble is, is you, you actually say someone comes in, they want to lose a load of weight, but they're stressed up to their eyeballs. Until they get rid of the stress, they actually won't lose the weight 
it's not actually going to work. So, and exercising is a stress. So if you just add more onto their plate, nothing happens. Mm -hmm. If you actually get them to chill out and relax and maybe they go to bed earlier so they're less stressed that way, maybe eat better food so they're less stressed that way, they make a little bit of room for some exercise and you give them the correct exercise, wonderful things start happening. Um, so not only is it to get people to understand that health is important, most of the people's goals are fitness-based. It's almost like a party trick base. I want to be able to run a marathon. There's no need to run a marathon. You just want to be able to, which is cool. But eventually, you, the last goal anyone's really going to have is they want to be healthy and they want to be able to move around without pain. That's when you get sort of later in life. That's all anyone, when we train people sort of 60, 70, 80, they just want to be able to partake in life. They want to be able to play a game of tennis if they want. They want to be able to get up the stairs, no problem. Well, it's worth thinking about those things when early you're on. Younger. My mum was the first one that really kind of separated health and fitness for me. Sort of, I was doing all this fitness stuff, you know, lifting up heavy weights and running fast and doing the MMA and stuff, and I couldn't really walk up the stairs that comfortably. And it was kind of, well, what's the point of all this exercise if you feel that bad? And she had a point because I wasn't getting paid for that. There was nothing. I was just doing it almost to prove that I could. And sort of as the years have gone on, scaling it down, um, not only do I feel better, which is an immense thing, like I really value that as a goal now, F feeling good, having energy um, is a great thing, but also because I'm not trying to be an athlete when I don't have the capacity to, I don't have the time nor the energy, I'm actually stronger and I can't look better and feel better than I did before. So I think if you always try and stay on the healthy side of things, then you're likely to achieve the goals you want anyway. That doesn't necessarily apply if you want to be a world-class athlete, but, you know, there are only certain people that do want to be a world-class athlete, and there's only certain people that can be a world-class athlete. So I, th I think it's interesting that you say that, and I know from my own experience it's a lesson that I'm learning currently, <laughs> but it's also leaving out that ego, isn't it, and just doing doing less, really, but at the same time as trainers, and if there are any trainers listening, they may feel the same way, you always feel that you want to inspire your clients, so you want to be doing those things because then they look at you and think, oh, you can do that, so maybe you're the trainer for me. When I like the way that you explain it all properly, that actually you did that, and the better way was to use your body and your health in a way that's going to give you longevity for life, and you're leading them in that way. Yeah, I mean, every time I try to really, really push myself, I crashed and burned, be it burnout, be it cold. I was always getting cold, just constantly... To the point where my clients are actually asking me, like, are you all right? Why have you got cold all the time? So almost the... That's not good. <laughs> the, no, the fact that I could lift up a lot of weight or mm. run fast and, like, okay, I had sort of a better physique than them, but, like, I'm more ill than they are. That didn't yeah. make any sense. So, yeah, you, I, I think that... I think there's so much media with health and fitness. There's so much... So many stories of awesome things people are doing. People are climbing up mountains and running faster than ever and people are in better shape than ever before it's hard to work out what's for you and what's not you know do you actually want to um run that fast do you need to lift 200 kilos off the floor what I mean, what for and if it is just because you want to you've also got to think well what are you willing to sacrifice that's always the one of the first things that we try to get across to people when they're training is okay what's the goal what's the result you want and are you aware of what it takes 
So if you want to be sort of Usain Bolt, are you do you, do you know what he does? Do you have the time and the resources and stuff to do that? And if you don't, maybe that's not the goal for you. And the genetics in some cases. Yeah, abs- and absolutely. There's so much, uh, and also in the fitness industry, you know, you know, what genetics do they have? How much time are they putting into it? What extracurricular supplements are people taking? It's it's really hard to know what's actually achievable and what, you know drugs and photoshopping it's it's a very wild west industry and there are some absolutely amazing athletes out there that are very natural and and aren't photoshops and stuff but it's hard to tell and there's so much like instagram facebook the internet there's so much out there it is very confusing as to you know who is the idol who do you actually want to be like and the trouble what i realized when i was looking at the athletes i was looking at the athletes that were in their prime so say 28 30 well as i've got older so have they, and the people before them have got older, so they're now in their sort of 50s, 60s, and they're all crippled. They've all got arthritis. That, mm. Well, that's cool maybe if you've got and money in the bank. quite normal as well. <laughs> yeah, and, and if you've got, you know, medals on the wall, you know, and your name's in the Hall of Fame, and you've got loads of money, maybe take arthritis. But I don't want it. I, I, mm. I, I don't want that. Like, I don't want to train like them, get all the injuries they got, and get none of the fame or fortune. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So why not? And so I think it's really important that you get a grip on what is your goal? What are you doing this for? And, I mean, we've kind of got people to think about that, and their goal has changed from being a size 8 and running a half marathon to having the energy to play with their kids and pick their kids up without back pain. Cool. That's a great goal. It's not in uh, Women's Fitness magazine, but that is a fantastic goal. If you wake up on a Saturday and you've got all the energy in the world, you can go and watch your kids play football and your back doesn't hurt, you can participate in the fun run with your kids with no problem and you're not kind of feeling exhausted coming in the day. That's a brilliant goal. What a great thing to train for. Do you have to train like you're saying Bolt for that? No, absolutely not. There's a, and I don't think people almost know how to train for that. How do you train for health and vitality? And I'm not sure people were that aware. It's not really in the public eye. But it's a great goal. Wanting to live till you're 90 and be able to do all the things you can do now then, that's a great goal. Why not? It'd be amazing if people actually came in and said that to you, though. Yeah, yeah, it would, yeah. And, and to be honest, it's not even the... I don't like their goal. You know, if you want to get ready for... You've got a stag do and you want to look great on the beach, cool. But don't blow out a knee trying to do that because the beach picture will come and go and your knee is meant to last mm. for the rest of your <laughs> life. So, like, it's just balancing them. Yeah. You know, I think there's there's how your body moves and performs, there's how your body feels and there's how your body looks. And usually, the more balanced that triangle is, the better everything will go. You know, there's time to push things. If you've got a wedding coming up, okay, maybe you push it to the look side a little bit. If you've got a football tournament coming up maybe you push the performance bit but you have to let it come back to the middle i think a lot of people don't realize that when they're trying to be sort of what look like celebrities look and stuff they don't look like that for very long they probably got in shape for that one shot in the Mm. film and then it goes a bit like a, a boxer they look the most amazing when they're on the scales but they've actually just cut 20 pounds of weight they're dehydrated so they look sort of immensely muscly and fit and stuff but two weeks later that's gone you can't stay there for very long so it's okay to you know get yourself in really good condition for a holiday then maybe ease off look after your joints and your health for a couple of months before you do it again it's just balance 
Yeah, that is some very good advice there for everybody <laughs> listening. Um, we're going to have to take a break now for the... Um, what is your advice and what is what can you educate us about stress and exercise? Okay, well, one of the things, one of the concepts that I like to introduce people to or remind people of if they already know about it is a thing called allostatic load. And what this is basically, there's an optimal amount of stress that your body likes. So you can have too little stress. If you don't, if say you just sat around, did nothing, had no challenging work, had no, just nothing, your body would degrade you would sort of nothing would happen like if you like a muscle like if you don't do some exercise the muscle degrades away and that'd be the same for your brain or anything else a little bit of challenge is where things grow too much and you get problems the other way and most of this has to do with hormone balance for every hormone in the body there's a counterbalancing hormone and the more you can keep them in balance um the better sort of uh serotonin and cortisol being the familiar to that people talk about if you've got too much cortisol you're kind of overly stressed and that can lead to things such as not being able to sleep because you haven't got enough serotonin and stuff so you're always playing this game of trying to keep your allostatic load at an optimal too little nothing happens so if for instance a child doesn't get pushed at school they don't develop mentally same if you don't do any exercise you don't develop physically if you do too much the body can't cope and so a classic example of this is people that are trying to lose weight and most people I'm, I'm sure you've talked about it many times are actually what most people are trying to do is lose fat don't really care what they weigh they're trying to sort of tone up and they want excessive fat to go well if you're overly stressed the body's reaction because it doesn't know why you're stressed it doesn't understand that you know john at work is having a heart like giving you a hard time it doesn't understand that you're running lots for a marathon it doesn't it just knows that there's stress well, this could be something like a famine, or you could be stuck on a desert island. So what it does is it stores fat, because if we have fat reserves, then we're okay. We could, we've got something to live on. So if you're overly stressed, fat's not going to come off very easily. What a lot of people end up doing, they lose weight, but they're actually burning off muscle. So they're almost becoming what people dub skinny fat. They've still got the same fat percentage. They weigh less. But it's not, but they, and that's why they'll grab their stomach. I just want this to come off. And it's the, the excessive layer of fat is what they're grabbing. And unless your body's in a, the right state to do that, it won't let go of it. But if your body's not stressed, if it knows that food is coming in, if it knows that you're not under threat, it will burn that fat for fuel and let go of it. So you're always trying to balance it. And when you're overly stressed, that's when your immune system is compromised. So when lots of people get cold, you know, that could be... Over that could be overly like stressed. Did. Yeah, yeah, like I did. It was just too much Because mm. uh, exercise stress. initially boosts your immune system, doesn't it, if you have, like, the right dosage of it? Yes, and you immediately after exercise get endorphins and things, so you get what, what they call like, the runner's high. Mm -hmm. um, and so people feel better after they've done it. I always uh, try, I try and explain it a bit like um, energy being money and exercise being a transaction. You are spending it. So you may feel better because the endorphins have come in, but you've still got to recoup that money from somewhere. So if you just keep exercising every day, as some people do because it makes them feel so good, you're, you're running into your overdraft, and eventually the body's going to want that payment back, and that's usually when you get the flu or you get aches and pains or joints start hurting because your body's trying to get you to stop. You've got to sit down. We need some of that energy back. 
and so that's a great way to put it <laughs> yeah and so you, you and that's why like if you there's, there's this attitude in the health and fitness industry of you know grit your teeth get up don't be a quitter go you hard know. or go home yeah absolutely yeah. and it's because there are lots of lazy people in the world there are lots of people that the alarm goes off they could definitely get up and do some exercise and they can't be bothered well that's the message for them what they fail to think about is the people that are really into that that have got this mentality of I will and they get up and their nose is streaming or their back hurts and they go and do a hard workout anyway well that's that's ridiculous you're, you're in your overdrive you've got no money to spend so that'd be like being in debt and then deciding I'm going to go on a shopping spree it's not going to help hmm. actually sitting down you know maybe they and this is the other thing is there are different types of exercise so there's you know your Olympic weightlifting workout well then there's you know Tai Chi there's yoga there's walking in the park so if you got up and think I want to do something but you feel rotten well you know do some breathing exercise get Would the you oxygen say some flowing. exercises then are more of an energy out and others are an energy in absolutely yeah there's there's definitely things sort of especially from eastern philosophy of, of exercising like Tai Chi like breathing exercises like yoga like stretching that are meant to boost energy and they do I mean you can definitely do if you change the way you breathe, for instance, if you spend 10 minutes breathing through your diaphragm and improving that, you can feel better because you're getting your body into a relaxed state. If you go and do sprints with limited rest, like a high metabolic circuit or a hit interval session, you are spending money. And so you need to have that money, otherwise you're going to cause problems. Just the same financially. Where did you learn all of this? Uh... So, originally, uh, Ross, this is the benefit of having two people, is that you can go on different courses. And so, Ross went on a, a course by a guy called Paul Check um, and became part of the Check Institute. And that's a very holistic approach to to health. And then, really, um, I mean, there are lots of people out there that, that talk about that. There's a, a guy called Steve Maxwell is, is quite known for it. And I, th I think the fitness industry in a whole is moving towards this. But really, reading... Um, reading as many books as I get hold of, you know, searching the internet and just being inquisitive myself, it didn't make sense to me that I was doing this fitness stuff and my backer and I was ill all the time. That was the anti of what I wanted. So it was just looking until I found the, the answer. And also there's a lot, I think that the other trouble you get sometimes in the fitness industry is the answer's out there, the science is there. I mean, there, I've got books from the sort of 60s, 70s, 80s there's even books before that that have talked about overtraining and hormone balance and stuff. But fitness is also a business. So circuit training became huge because it's, you know, time efficient, which it is, but it's not necessarily the optimal way to, the optimal way to get strong or the optimal way to get um, fast. And it's also a, a really big stressor. You'll get huge amounts of cortisol dumped in that way. So if you're actually feeling bit run down you might be better just to go in and do what they call station training you know you do some push-ups rest quite a bit do some more but circuit training became this big thing because you can save time it's really hard and, uh, and it sells which is great but you're also forgetting the point of what we you always got to come back to what you're trying to achieve why run around a circuit for half an hour if you're absolutely knackered if you don't need to if you've got if you want to get stronger that's not the right thing to do if you're knackered why thrash yourself just because the gym says you should it, you always got to stick to and this is a lot of like well you know mary next door is doing it well maybe mary's got a good reason what what do you want to do i think it's really easy to get led astray
Yeah, definitely. I wonder if I asked all the people who come to my class tonight, why are you here? <laughs> and actually, we've just changed the class. We're, we're doing a spinning class at Nuffield Health. And before it used to just be, I call it hamster on a wheel burning calories. You're just in there. You don't know where you're going. Basically, you're just burning a number of calories and you leave. And most people are doing it for weight loss. But then now we've got these new bikes. You can actually measure your wattage and everything. So right. you actually have a purpose now. So it's like lifting a weight off the ground. You can see how much you're lifting and then you can actually progress. Yeah, it's really so cool. it's going to change the way that we're doing spin now, so I'm quite excited about it. It's not just a calorie burn. It's going to actually be improving people's fitness, including my own, because I teach spin everywhere else, and there's no way of me measuring it other than my heart rate. But these new bikes have, like, the power output, which, as well as your heart rate, gives you a better um, indication of how much you're working. And that's a really good... Measuring stuff like that is a really good way of uh, monitoring overtraining. So people that do circuits, I've often had people that... that they get to the end and they feel that all they're measuring is, am I tired? And so they can, you can achieve that every time you go. But all of a sudden, sort of over a couple of months, they notice that I cut, and, uh, the second station where I was meant to be doing push-ups, I used to do 10 and now I can only do 6. And I used to do squats over there with 4 kilos and now I'm only doing it with n- no medicine ball. So you're actually getting weaker. And that's you're overtrained. Mm. So you're still tired. You've achieved it. I mean, yeah. anyone can make you tired, but you're getting worse. Well, that's your body breaking down. So if you use the, the spin bikes and you looked at the wattage and your heart rate and stuff and it's your heart rate is way higher in the first five minutes than usual, you're probably tired. It might be time to, you know, either take it easy that session or get off the bike and go and do some breathing and stretching rather because your body's struggling with it more than it used to. Yeah. Well, then it's tired. It should be getting better. Very good point. Um, on so that yeah. note yeah, go. we're going to have the local news so get your questions in tweet us at Hazefam Official and we'll be right back Hello and welcome back to 91.8 Hayes FM, Fusedal Fit Health and Fitness Show. So if you were listening before the break, I'm speaking to Matt Lovett from APS Fitness. We were talking about stress and how exercise can actually cause you more stress if you do it in the wrong doses. So we're talking also about different people inside the gym. Explain to us about different modules that they have in the gym and, and uh, like CrossFit and, you know, what you were saying before off air. So, uh, yeah, we were talking about, I think one of the problems that people have is a bit like the Instagram thing is when you go into a gym there's so many people in there with different goals and the gym is trying to cater for all of them which is you know a, a fairly good business model I suppose I think people get lost of you know, what is for me and what isn't for me so if someone goes in there and they've got like they've been sent there by their doctor maybe their blood pressure's a bit high and stuff what do they choose I mean there's as you say there's CrossFit classes there's kettlebell classes you can sit on power plates and all sorts and it, it, it I think people get lost in terms of like, oh, I'll do that, usually because their friend does it or a trainer suggested it. But you know, what are you actually trying to achieve? You've got that person, then you've maybe got the, you know, an adrenaline junkie who likes doing things that uh, cause excitement and stuff like that. So they're, they're drawn towards kettlebells and uh, CrossFit, but maybe they've got a terribly inactive core. Well, there's, there's only gonna, that at that moment is just going to cause horrific problems they should have been taught how to do the move i mean things like crossfit the olympic lifting they do it can take like two years to learn that properly so if you're trying to do that as well as skipping and that all at the same time it's not it'd be like trying to learn a foreign language while cooking at the same time it's you just focus on the one thing um and i think people in the gym it's such a jungle of different experiences you can end up in an aqua aerobics class and a box fit class and all you really want to do was fix your knee pain. 
and both might help but they also might make it worse i think that people get very lost as to what they do that's why i think sometimes specialist gyms you know, if you go to a crossfit gym they usually put you on a learning program you learn the technique and you, you do all these things before you go into the kind of mega workout of the day or whatever they do that people associate with crossfit and you if you go into like a you know pain rehab specialist they'll deal with that better so i think sometimes commercial gyms are trying to do everything and then people end up in classes that aren't designed for them but no one wants to say no to them it's also very hard though isn't it if you are that person going into the gym there's so much choice how do you know what you need and, and what you don't need yeah no, I don't, and what you're gonna like yeah, and really the answer is either you've got to learn it all yourself so you can make a good decision or you've got to find someone who's going to give you good advice i mean as we as talked about earlier i learned a lot of this stuff because i hurt myself i picked the wrong thing or did the wrong thing at the wrong time. I mean, there's no necessarily wrong thing for people. It's just, are you ready to do that? It's, I guess, what's an example? Like a roller coaster. You have to be a certain height to ride them, right? It's not that, that they hate you and they don't want you to ride it. It's that if you're too small, you'll fall out. You, so you can't ride it. When you're at that height, you can. Well, that's the same with exercise. You know, there are certain things you probably can't do yet. And that's not a bad thing. That's just you haven't got the coordination or the core strength or the range of motion to do it. And if you try, like the roller coaster, only bad things will happen. It's better to, you know, take your time, build up the, the base of what you need to be able to do that, and then go back and do it. But you've got to have someone to advise you of that, you know. You have to have the sign at the roller coaster, otherwise the short people will just get on and mm -hmm. find out the bad way. <laughs> so you need signs, they, they need more people to... I mean, one of the things we do with everyone before we start is to assess them. You know, what, well, what is your range of motion like? How flexible are you? How strong are you? How well do you move? Can you balance well? Because what I used to do was just get hold of them. Okay, I mean, to be honest, when I started, I would train people like I trained. So if I was doing push-ups, they would probably do push-ups because I'm fit and healthy. That will help them. Well, it might help a 21-year-old with no shoulder pain, but a 50-year-old who's had shoulder surgery, not so much. So you've got to work out what you want to achieve and where are you actually starting from. So it might be that you know, CrossFit is the thing for you. It will achieve your goal. But are you ready for that? And this is, I mean, this is the painful conversation I've had to have with a few people. They want to lose weight, and obviously they want to do it yesterday, or they want to get ready for a marathon in six weeks. But really, they've got a knee problem that will take six weeks to fix. And then we can start. But they don't, want to, they don't want to hear that, because magazines and other things make them believe they can do it tomorrow if they try hard enough which usually is a recipe for more knee injury. Um, Let's pause that thought and have another little break. Sure. Love, haze effect. Welcome back. That was a very short break there. So we're going to go right back into the questions. And let's talk about... You were just talking there about um, assessing people when they come into you because when pe people first go into the gym, they may be trying all different things and it may be wrong for their body or for their fitness level at the time. And I remember another pool check um, practitioner actually said to me, if you're not testing, you're guessing. Yeah, yeah, very true. Can you just um, talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, everyone that... Uh what, everyone that goes into the gym or does anything is usually trying to achieve something. So if you don't measure it, if you want to get stronger and you don't know how strong you are to start with, how do you know if what you're doing is working? So it's the same thing as that if you want to lose weight, well, you've got to take a measurement of your stomach or you've got to like look at what cl uh, clothes size you are, 
Because if it's not going down, then what you're doing is pointless because you're not achieving what you set out to. So, and this is the same thing that, so I mean, that's like, what you, you always want to assess your start point in terms of, okay, I want to run a marathon uh, in this time. Well, how quick can you run a marathon now? And if the answer is, well, I can't run a marathon, well, that's your first goal, isn't it? Then, then we've got to build your distance up. And if you're not able to run further in a couple of months' time, well, then the training's not working. And if you can run mar marathons and you're trying to make the marathons quicker and you're not getting any quicker, then the training's not working. And so you always want to be measuring so that you can then change course. No more training for 12 months if you achieve nothing. Um, and that's the same with measuring. And I think that's where people go wrong with health a little bit is that you can measure strength and speed. That's fairly easy. You can measure distance. You can measure body shape. It's harder to measure health. I wish people had a health meter on their arm. So you could get them going, oh, I'm a nine. Cool. I've got loads of energy. Or, oh, I'm a four. Clearly, I'm going to get ill soon. The bank balance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to, there's other mechanisms. So you have to listen to your body to work the health thing out. So th the ones we usually use are sleep. You know, if, if you're sleeping well, you can get seven to nine hours, no problem. You wake up. You don't want to, I mean, everyone feels a little bit groggy when they wake up, but you don't like not to. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you're a, you're I'm a good a morning person. You're a good morning person. Yeah, so. I'm groggy in the evening. If you became groggy in the morning, that'd be a good sign that your health is mm. dipping. If your skin starts to get bad, that's a good sign. If your digestion is off one way or the other, too loose, not so loose, that's problematic. If your libido, your sex drive, changes that's a good sign so all these things but there you have to actually pay attention you know some people come in they think they're really healthy and when i you know ask about like how often do you go to the toilet they say they go once a week well, i've had once a fortnight well, that's not that's normal not. <laughs> that, but then how do you know what normal is if something like that people don't really talk about do they no no so that I mean, could be their normal and they may feel like that's no, fine no one has any idea yeah. no one has um People, like with skin, people think it's... I mean, it is a lot about what you eat and stuff, but you can break out into hives and spots and stuff just too much stress. The, again, hormones are off. So that happens. Aches and pains are a good one. You know, if you're getting... If you haven't been injured, you haven't fallen over, you haven't been in a car crash, you're just niggly pains, and they come and go, well, it's your body sending you signals. So these things are worth paying attention to. You know, if your energy's dipped, if your sex drive is off, if you're... Uh, digestion is all over the place you're probably overly tired that's that's the signal that's your body so if you went into the gym and you couldn't lift as much weight as you could last week and it's a real struggle you're obviously tired they're the obvious ones why do we ignore these signals so much why are we so out of tune with our bodies i think one people are busy beyond belief not listening one as you say it's not very common no one's really talking about it um, and also, I mean, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, no one uh, washes you while you go to the toilet, you know, especially with um, women, there's makeup, so it's hard to get a, a, a gauge of, you know, someone's skin. Uh, Energy-wise, there's sugary drinks, caffeine, all sorts of things to mask that. How would, you, how would you know sometimes that people are... I was having this discussion with someone, they were talking about children, and there seems to be a lot more 
you know behavioral problems and things like that and no there might well be i'm not i don't really know if that's true or not but when you look at kids today you know the amount of sugary stuff that some kids eat you know they're given haribo all the time they're drinking coke they're looking at screens all the time they're barely outside how would you know how would you know what's the sugar what's the screen and what's an actual learning difficulty so it's the same with your body you know if you're on if you're drinking caffeine all the time having red balls uh popping paracetamol every time you get a headache at, there are no signals you've masked them all you were tired but that went away you were in pain but that went away you're I not think li- a lot of people these days though live like that like you're saying they have a headache they pop a pill it's the same when we go to the gp and i know paul check also talks about being your own doctor so understanding your own body mm. and obviously we have say for example a knee pain we go to the doctor they say let's have give you a pill for that you know put it up rest whereas you may not be able to rest and it's not um fixing the actual issue is it it's just taking away the pain it's masking the pain yeah a, a really really easy example is headaches and hydration if if you're dehydrated even just a small bit that can cause huge um changes in the body they did a study that a two percent drop in hydration levels uh ranged up from a 20 to 40 percent decrease in performance so someone could perform most of their sport by 40 percent just because they're hydrated by two that's massive and that also correlates into things like uh headaches well if you get headaches because you're dehydrated but you take a paracetamol every time and it goes away, and then it comes back again, How you, you're never going to change it. What your body's asking you to do is to drink some water. What you're doing is just putting paracetamol in to cut that neural connection so the pain goes away. Well, it's never going to solve it. And you're, in a sense, with the doctor and the knee pain. If your running gait, for instance, is causing knee pain because your hips wobble all over the place when you run, it irritates your knee, putting a bandage around it taking a paracetamol or stopping i mean it kind of i mean stopping running would solve it and unfortunately that's what a lot of people do oh i can't run because of my knee is that correct or do you just run funny like have you not do been you shown think then that some people are genetically not built for running or something else do we have a specific sport yeah. that our bodies are good for yeah yeah und- undoubtedly i mean if you're uh if you look at sport genetics and body shape and stuff plays into it you know if you're four foot basketball is not you're going to struggle i mean there are definitely there definitely are shorter basketballs that make it work for them but it's not going to be that easy so again if you're not if you're just picking exercises just to keep you you healthy pick ones that you're good at you know i mean you can always explore people struggle squatting for instance well if you struggle squatting because your ankles are gummed up because you're wearing heels all day that might be worth addressing you you know you might not want come up angles but if you just naturally your hips your ankles don't suit that if for instance when you were a kid a baby and you still struggled why bother do something else there's loads of things to do like if you hate badminton don't play badminton go 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 you can get healthy by playing golf or you can get play netball there's so many options out there uh, i don't think people should pigeonhole themselves and do anything if you find something really difficult if you're not very coordinated or something or yeah try something else so definitely, there are definitely some things that can't be fixed. So talking about high heels, as you just mentioned there, and I know from pregnancy training how bad high heels are for your posture, and a lot of women obviously just wear them because of the way that they look, but they're not so good for you. And I've noticed that you're wearing these um, five-finger shoes. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is it actually beneficial for us to be more barefoot? Yes. Can it, you explain it, that? <laughs> so, um, 
if think about if you if you walked around all the time in boxing gloves do you think the muscles in your hands and stuff would be as coordinated and as healthy as they are now probably not right if i just walked the, the, all the muscles in my hands would turn off apart from a couple because instead of having four fingers and a thumb i basically have a pincer so i would adapt to that so the idea is that in shoes your feet aren't working the way they should they're working as like a block rather than as a sort of having five toes um and so they get lazy and so you then have all sorts of problems because when you run your foot's not doing what it should the amount of people if you watch people lunge and squat their toes come off the floor they're not even gripping they're not gripping the floor properly so if you get them better if you take the shoes off what they're actually doing is their big toes and stuff are coming up which means they're not stabilizing well which probably means their knees are rolling in so classically when you see people squat and stuff you see their knee especially women you see their knee fall in mm-hmm. right you see the arch and their foot disappear more and more people are having orthotics put in their shoes to create an arch well, what happens when the orthotic wears out or what happens if you forget them why not have a foot that can do it itself and one of the main ways of doing that is being barefoot the more you're but barefoot you have these different shaped feet and obviously when you go to a running shop they say to assess your foot like if you have a wet foot and you put the um the path the print of your foot on the floor so you can see if you pronate or don't pronate if you have a flat foot and therefore you need these shoes to match your feet i think the trouble is is that's definitely going to apply at some point and some people to do sort of unnatural feats like running a marathon yeah you might want a shoe to help out with that although people do run marathons barefoot yeah you can be done but you might not be suited to that well if you're not suited to that but you really really want to do it then maybe uh wear the shoe again the, the the same thing with the foot applies what causes the foot to collapse if it's a lazy foot well have you tried arch training have you actually tried strengthening your foot there are foot exercises we can do to have we tried that if that doesn't work and it's a real like it, if it's an unsolvable problem then put the artificial shoe in absolutely and i know that definitely i'm i i'm not completely um having a go orthotics they do they do work sometimes you can put the foot in position it or learn the position and, and things like that but if the foot's collapsing say because the glutes are lazy well again it's the paracetamol thing you need to fix your lazy glutes not prop up the foot um it, I, so I, another example is a weightlifting belt or straps if you really really want to lift the heaviest weight you can then strap it to your hand so your grip won't play a part put a belt around you so your core can brace artificially against it and lift it if you're just training for health then you want your grip and your core to work so don't help them well it's the same with the feet then don't use an, a, a shoe for ankle support let your ankle do it because when that shoe gets loose your ankle is going to wobble around and that's where people get injured they get old trainers their trainers get old their ankle has no ability to stabilize because it's not trained and they roll it whereas if you're barefoot more the time your ankle's much more stable your foot's much stronger and yeah if, if then you want to run a marathon and you haven't got the capacity to do that barefoot wear the shoes if you want to go dancing and you want to wear high heels do that i mean i definitely i don't wear these out to nightclubs um but do you wear them for all activities in the gym though yeah i mean in my gym i'm actually completely barefoot so i I actually originally got these because i used to work in a commercial gym you couldn't be barefoot um whereas in my gym i can well i know it's clean and i can do what i want so i will be completely barefoot if i go to the park 
I'm barefoot as much as I can. I think it's great to connect with the ground. Mm -hmm. There's uh, loads of books on earthing. So actually, your, your, yeah, your connection to the ground. I mean, everyone knows, putting your bare feet in the grass is nice. It feels nice. Putting your feet in the sand or the sea, that's nice. So there's that part of it. And yeah, and it just gives my feet a chance to work. Uh, if I was going to run, I mean, I actually did wear these and do a tough mud run, which ended up part of it in gravel, which I did regret slightly. If I was going to do a run and it was primarily on stones, I would wear shoes. I wouldn't beat my feet up for the sake of it. But it's like everything. If you want something to be strong and healthy, you've got to train it a bit. If you want your feet and ankles to be strong and healthy, you've got to take the training wheels off and, uh, and train. Lots of people can't squat very low barefoot. Well... You kind of should be able to. It's lifting your heel is again. It's like a paracetamol. If I have to squat deep in a because I'm a power lifter, then I'm probably going to wear the wedged shoe. It just help. But if I'm squatting just to be fit, why not work on the ankle mobility to be able to do it barefoot? And then everything works. Lovely. That's the idea. So it's taking everything back because obviously you'll be lifting lighter then, won't you? Usually to start with. You might have to... I mean, actually, deadlifting is actually advantageous to be... Bare. A lot of people would deadlift barefoot because it helps biomechanically. But, yeah, things like squatting, you might not be able to go as low. Running, you definitely have to ease off on the distance uh, to start to, to, to get your feet up to speed with your calf muscles and leg muscles and everything else. But, yeah, it doesn't take too long. Let's um, pause there. We've got the local news, and then we'll come back to talk about biomechanics. All right, great. Welcome back. It's 91.8 Hayes FM. It's the Fustal Fit Health and Fitness Show, and we're talking about all things health and fitness. Let's talk about biomechanics. So I, w I want to understand when someone comes into a gym, how do they know what's going to be the right thing for them, and how can you assess people to know if they're even moving correctly before they start doing all the exercises that we're sold and told we should be doing or our friends are doing? So that's a really good question. One, I mean, one of the first things to do is to... You know, let's pick two things. Let's pick squatting and bench pressing, a big thing in the gym. So the first thing to do would be to get them to do it. So a bench press, for example, I would get them to lay down on a bench, take a stick, there's no weight, and let their arms come back and see how low they can get it. If it just naturally settles, not pulling it down, but just kind of naturally settles, say, an inch off their chest then I would probably have them bench press about an inch and a half off their chest because what will, what will happen is you'll put a heavy weight in their hand, they'll lower it, it, the weight will push their arm down so they'll touch their chest now because the weight has opened up their shoulder capsule. Well, a couple of weeks of this and your shoulder's going to get really, really sore because you, as we saw with the stick, your shoulder doesn't open that far. Now, we can do a couple of things. We can either just bench at a range that we can or over time, we could then stretch the shoulder, open it out so naturally a stick would touch our chest, and now we could bench there. So the answer is, the first thing you do is you'd get them to do the movement, you'd address how well or badly they do it, and then you'd try and work out what the problem is. So squatting, we'd have a look at their squat. If they couldn't get down very low, we'd then try and look at why. You know, is it their ankles? Well, then what you would do is you would say, take them off their feet, test their ankles. If their ankles get normal range of motion, no, it's not their ankles. And you would keep going until you found what it is. Interestingly, with squatting, sometimes it can be that if they, they can hold onto a pole 
and squat all the way down, no problem if they're holding something. But when they don't, they can't. It's they haven't got any core control. Their body's so nervous of them sitting down, it jams itself up. So we've had uh, we've got kind of a few drills where you can sort of relax someone's nervous system because it's so worried that they're it's like hamstrings. Do you have clients with tight hamstrings? Mm-hmm. And you stretch them and stretch them and nothing happens. Mm-hmm. The hamstrings are have loads of nerves and stuff running to them. So sometimes it's the nerve. And I had this. Again, I found this out because it was me. I'm just a walking disaster, really. That's why I have all this experience, because I'm just trying to fix me. I'm following your footsteps. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm learning a lot. <laughs> I think that if you look at some of the best health and fitness, the best people in the health and fitness industry, usually they're the most broken. And the more extreme their philosophy, the more demons and stuff they have. So, like... Uh, they have sort of abusive pasts or addictive personalities and they've had to try and fix it all themselves. It's often where a lot of this comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, hamstrings. So we were... So I have had tight hamstrings for as long as I can remember and I've tried stretching and stretching and stretching and nothing worse. It was uh, it was only when I tried a couple of drills that relaxed kind of your neural system, relaxed the, the nerves and I went from kind of my hands just below my knees to in 60 seconds my hand was on the floor. So it it was a nervous system. It was the body locking up and guarding rather than a tight muscle. And so, long story even longer, you you would test their cat. Well, you know, you want them to squat. Well, look at their squat. And then if they drift to one side, if they can't get down very far, if they tip forward, why? You then got to experience. And there are then loads of you can do flexibility tests. You can do core stability tests and find out why. What a lot of people would do is they'll try and. That, well, we just won't squat or we'll, you know, wedge their feet or, or or just train a shorter range of motion, which you can do. I mean, it's better that way than forcing them to sit low with terrible posture because you're just going to cause an injury. But inherently, you want to work out why. What is causing? There's the movement. And because the bodies are a weird thing and we don't necessarily know everything, what you'll try and do in an assessment is you'll try and see the same pattern a fair few times. And then you would take it as, well, that's let's try and change that and then you it would just be trial and error you would try it you know free off their ankles see if they can squat lower if they can't go to the next most obvious thing but yeah that does that answer your question yeah it's really interesting though isn't it because obviously as you know i'm asking for my own reasons as well where i've had my back injury yeah and it's just so hard to see inside your body what's going wrong why is a muscle becoming really tight compared to another muscle that's loose like what's happening why is the brain like you said about the hamstring why is the brain telling the hamstring to become tight so what's it trying to protect you from the body's super clever um but also really dumb in the sense that it will one it will protect you so i think i've i think i was quite small as a kid compared to the other kids that were playing sport so i think to keep up was quite strenuous put a lot of it for my body i don't think my core was that strong well, you can get that stability through your hamstrings and your groin. And I think that's what happened, is that my body was so worried that he's going to throw his back out, trying to run with the other kids. We'll make him his hamstrings. That's how we can achieve this. And so eventually my core caught up, but my hamstrings don't have the message. that I, So I have to reteach them to relax. You, we don't need this anymore. I've worked out how to engage my inner core, my pelvic floor, myself. I don't need you to do that. You so can let go. this is how we can appear... To be doing an exercise correctly, but actually we're not How using you another it? muscle to overcompensate. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, you have to... And so sometimes... Uh, and also the body just wants you to be able to achieve something. So, for instance, like if you want to do a squat 
and you want to get down, it can tuck your bum right underneath you so you your back curls like a cashew and you sit down. So it did it. Yes, did it. But we had a weight on our back and now all the vertebrae are curled and now they're crushing together and so it, it didn't really think it through. Because also it doesn't know that you're going to do three sets of ten. It thought, well, maybe we have to get down once to survive. Better to survive than fail. It didn't realise you were going to do it again, 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 again next week and the week after. Now we've got a back injury. So then it caused you the pain that said, stop. Stop doing it. <laughs> now you need to stop doing it. So the, the body will try and... It's like um, limping. So you get a bad injury. This is why doctors have often want you to have a, like a stick or a crutch because you want to try and walk properly to protect the other leg. Because if you hurt your knee in the woods, you're out sort of hunting for animals and you're, you hurt your knee, if it just gave up, you would perish in the woods. If, however, we can just walk a bit funny and get back to camp, we survive. But if you walk like that for months because you've got a dodgy knee every time you go out walking, then you have a leg's going to get really sore. It wasn't a solution. It was just a short-term, let's get him to survive mm -hmm. mechanism. Because the body doesn't understand Pilates and boot camp. It doesn't know what those things are. It doesn't know what you're trying to do. It just knows surviving and completing tasks. So you've got to be careful that it doesn't cleverly... Uh, disguise things so you can get on with it not knowing that you're going to repeat it over and over again mm. um so yeah you can be your own your body the the ingenious of the body can be its own worst enemy especially when it comes to artificial things like the screens we were talking about it thinks that you're looking at the sun so it shoves cortisol up because oh the sun's up they're gonna have to go out now and do work so we'll put sort of doing hormone up well, actually, it's nine o'clock at night and I'm watching Netflix. I want to go to bed in a minute. It thought it was helping, but it's not because you're sending it the wrong sign. R the same thing we were talking about earlier. It sends you signals that aren't language, pain, bad skin. You're sending it cues you don't know you're doing. So breathing through your neck and chest, <sighs> it thinks you're in a fight or flight response, which mm -hmm. shoved up stress hormone could be that you're just hunched over at work didn't know you were breathing like that but if you'd breathe through your belly nice and slow it would relax so you've got to be careful when you're like it's like if you do sport at night it's well you probably will struggle sleeping when i do jujitsu and stuff it's a bit of a struggle to sleep because my fight hormone has gone way up but you can get the same sort of elevation by watching you know gripping television scary things your stress levels got it's not conducive let's to talk about that as well in terms of your mind um believing like for example the breathing you're you're hyperventilating so then your mind tells your body you're in stress mode and then yep. your body responds to it the same thing happens doesn't it if you're worried about something yeah so you can even cause your physiological reactions to your body just because your mind yeah it, it's trying to sort out you know what's annoying but not death and what's a real problem so if someone's talking to you at work in a really horrible way and they're, they're being mean and they're dumping work on you you know don't they know i'm busy already it is it is stressful it is annoying but what your body's going to go into kind of protect mode so you'll do things like store fat and it, you know raise cortisol because it thinks you might have to fight this person or run away when really it's just irritating so you always want to try and keep your body it's a bit like having a uh, jumpy dog. It's quite good that the dog barks every time someone comes to the... But you've got to calm it down, otherwise it's just going to bark all day long. That is, I don't know if that's a good analogy. But it, you've got to train your body. So if you've had a stressful day at work, but 
it's not really life or death, I'd just like to have a good night's sleep now. You might want to take an hour, have a nice bath, think good thoughts, breathe deeply, and tell your body that it's actually okay. You know, Jim annoyed me at work, but it's not life or death, we can, we can still have a good night's sleep. How can we incorporate these things into our lives and make them a little bit less stressful? Make what make life less stressful. Yeah, decrease our physical stress. Well, you want to think there's loads of different things that are stress, right? So there's physical stress. So you're either exercising too little or too much, or I mean, or, or hopefully you're just right. But you can exercise too little or too much. So you want to find the right level there. So make sure you're not over exercising. There's eating. Obviously, that's another stress. So if you're putting again a bit like we said, you know, we said there's a difference between a yoga workout and a sprint training session mm -hmm. was well, the difference between a domino's pizza and two glasses of prosecco and kale and water it it's not even that i think people get this obsession with bad and good you know some food are going to do sort of worse things and some people are intolerant to things but that aside domino's pizza is way harder for our body to digest way more work for it to do than kale so if you're putting that in all the time, regardless of whether it's got evil ingredients in it or not, your body is working harder. So you are likely to run into stress. So if you've already got over-exercising, then now you're eating badly all the time, now you've got more stress. Lack of sleep, that's obviously if you're not recovering, now the body's not getting rid of the stress. Then you've got kind of electromagnetic stress, so we've got screens, things of that nature. You've got chemical stress, so you know you could be putting all chemicals on your face and your hair there's chemicals in food so that can be so all these things have certain levels of stress so you can tackle any or all of them and then there's obviously mental emotional stress as well if you're the kind of person that flies off the handle at any little thing you're more likely to be way uh, way more stressed than a monk um so they're all categories that will bring you stress and i think people one they're not aware of all the categories so some people have really healthy relationships great job but they overexercise. they eat inflammatory foods and their you know their foods have chemicals and stuff on them or they're using makeup and stuff all the time and that's the stress it's not, not your relationship at all it's the other way around other people eat really well and stuff but you've got such a horrible boss that that's the so you, you want to be aware of them all and then be aware of which one or what ones are causing you the biggest problems and then look to eliminate them exercise mm -hmm. You know, a reasonable amount. Uh, eat foods that, you know, are right for you, don't cause you reactions and are just easy to digest. Sleep properly. Wind down, like, calm down. Be Sleep mindful, properly, as they say. but what... How many hours is optimal? And does it really relate to who you are? Like Margaret Thatcher used to sleep four hours a night. Yeah, there's, all, there's loads of things like this. I mean, there's also studies to say that, like, we're actually meant to have, like, nine plus, way more than nine really but well, the idea is that the, there's you, no time for that. <laughs> that that's the thing isn't it the, the, what they were saying what some studies have said is that once you got back one work although work is very stressful and people are gonna hate me saying this compared to farming and like working in mines and stuff really quite physically easy so you would have been way more exhausted and way more likely to sleep longer if you had to go down the mine again tomorrow but we don't have to do that kind of work anymore genetics definitely plays a, a factor they, they everyone's fairly comfortable at seven to nine hours sleep um i think what people are lacking is quality of sleep you, you, it better to i mean if you sleep as in you went to bed at 
one point and you woke up nine hours later but in between times you tossed and turned woke up woke up four times had hot sweats had to pee well that's a terrible night's sleep even if you happen to get out of bed nine hours later whereas if you had seven hours and it was you went to sleep slept woke up seven hours later f- feeling refreshed then the, that would be better than nine so i think that people should be more worried about the quality of their sleep if you're sleeping and waking up and you don't feel rested, something's wrong with it. It might be that you didn't sleep enough. It might be that you didn't go to bed at the right time. It might be that you aren't sleeping well. because, Like, you're not actually recovering. There's also, I mean, this goes into research about circadian rhythm and the fact that you're meant to go to sleep with the sun. And so the idea is once the sun starts to go down, you, you recover your... I could be getting this the wrong way around. I think it's that you're recovering your mental side of things before sort of round about midnight and then afterwards the body or it's the other way around. Please someone correct me if I'm wrong. So if you're saying go to bed at one o'clock in the morning all the time, you're missing loads of recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the timing of your sleep, you'd be better off going to bed at 10 and getting up at six than going to bed at midnight and getting up at eight or one and nine. Because you're more linked with the sun. Your body understands that. Well, that's what better. I found interesting in the Eat, Move and Be Healthy book, which is one that Paul Check's written. And it's for layman's people to just be able to make your own life a little bit more healthier. And in the questionnaire at the beginning to find out all of these different areas of your life that affect your health, one of them is, are you living in the country you were born in? And yeah. I imagine that's because of the, your sleep cycle and the sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... and- timings and stuff like if, yeah if you've been taken to a different time zone and things i mean it's flying we all know the jet lag is a thing so if you if you're uh, on a job and you're constantly changing time zones it's very hard for your body to get into a rhythm and then in fact, a lot of people listening here work at the airport oh okay yeah, right so it's a big thing so around here <laughs> y- you should be very aware that that is a stress your body being out of rhythm is a stress so unfortunately they're probably you might be better then to not exercise super intensely because you've already got this big stress so you've got to work around that so you don't necessarily want loads of bad you might have to eat healthier than your next door neighbor who doesn't fly just to negate that stress Mm -hmm. if you can't because you can't get rid of it if that's your job you can't change that but things like um sleeping as well as you can like winding down before whatever sleep it is you get if you only get a few hours know belly breathing uh can you explain the belly breathing yeah so belly breathing is uh breathing using your diaphragm so if you think about a baby often when you see a baby sitting down they've got a big like buddha like belly and they'll breathe through it very you can see their belly breathing in and out and that's them using their diaphragm when you play sport and things and you exert yourself it'll be the chest and so your day basically just sending signals your body if you're breathing through your chest your body's more likely to be using its kind of active stress system it's, it's sympathetic nervous system isn't yeah it? so it's sympathetic or, or parasympathetic yeah so one of them is breaking the body down puts you in what they call a catabolic state and one is anabolic which is where you build yourself up so belly breathing is more like to set you into an anabolic resting state um and a and chest breathing is more meant to is more catabolic so if you want to fall asleep you want to be belly breathing because you're sending the body the message that everything's fine you can't belly breathe when you're being chased by a lion 
It's not mm. possible. No, well, you, you probably can, but you're probably going to get caught by the line. It doesn't set the right systems up. If you chest breathe, you'll get cortisol release, which makes you faster, more alert. You better get away easier. But you, in that state, your body doesn't want you to sleep. If it thinks there's a lion chasing you, there's no sleeping for you. So if I breathe the other way, there's no danger here. There's, we're completely relaxed. I'm more likely to be able to sleep. Why would you? I'm, the, the trouble is most people don't notice this because they're so exhausted, they will fall asleep quickly, but as soon as they're a little bit charged up, they'll wake up. Mm. So if you happen to, well, I don't, that's not me. My body sleeps easy. Are you collapsing? Like, are you just so tired because you had a long day that you just, minute your eyes shut, you fall asleep, but at 1am you're awake? Well, that's because you're wired. So, I mean, if you were being chased by lions, eventually you'd have to find a tree and have a sleep, but it wouldn't let you sleep for very long. As soon as you had some energy, you'd be up again. So that's kind of the pattern that you're falling into. So if you're falling asleep easily, but you wake up a lot, I would still say that you're wired. So that's when you want to actually, before you fall asleep from exhaustion, you want to wind the body down. Mm-hmm. Get it in a nice, restful state. Let's come back to that and find out some more tips on how we... All right, welcome back to 91.8 Hayes FM. This is the Fuse to Fit Health and Fitness show. We were just talking off air about sleep still and food that you eat before you go to sleep and, and can you help us with some tips on getting us a better night's sleep? Yeah, so I mean, we've, we've discussed winding down. So I would definitely, you know, a lot of people, they're doing work and they watching TV and then they turn the light off and go, right, now, sleep. Well, your, your body had no prep that was coming. It'd be like warming up. You have to you warm up for sport and for training, right? So you kind of want to warm up or we call it wind down for bed. Put yourself in a... Like, start to dim the lights. Make the body feel like the sun is setting. You know, uh, stretch, breathe, relax. Um, and there's... I mean, there's relaxing in the sense of like, I'm watching Netflix. I don't have to think about all the work I've got to do. Cool. But is your system actually relaxing? Or are you sitting there with a tight jaw and tight fist? And so you're distracted, but not actually relaxed. No right or wrong answer, but just make sure. What we have noticed, and what I've solved with other people who show sleep, especially if you you notice a pattern of wake up early in the morning, is it can be related to blood sugar levels. Um, And again, with all these things, I'm sure there are people that are deeper into the nutrition field and stuff that can probably explain this better. So if I... uh, do a bad job of this i apologize but basically if you're eating uh especially carbohydrates and sugar and stuff late you're likely to have blood sugar level spikes and drops and when that happens you're likely to wake up um it can often be um brought about with sweats if you wake up so early in the morning you're hot and sweating need to get the cover off that can be blood sugar levels levels uh, changing so an easy way also is, alcohol isn't it because yeah i think there's there's something you can google and it tells you exactly what time you wake up means something different is happening to your body and there's something about one to three a.m that yes yeah, so the, the liver and stuff yeah, yeah there's a lot of eastern philosophy and stuff yeah i mean it's just again i always try and i don't know that that's true nor do i i know if there's science to to, to prove it but when you go to sleep there's stuff is happening. To be like your computer, there's things, unless it's completely off, there's things happening, it's updating itself, it's doing things. So if you shove a load of alcohol in and close your eyes and go to sleep, your body doesn't just put it on hold. It doesn't make any sense. It, it has to process it. Well, if it raises your temperature while it's doing that stuff, it's likely that you're having a very restless sleep and 
you know, someone moving in the flat above you or an owl making noise at night is way more likely to wake you up when your body's doing stuff because you're in a lighter sleep. Um, it makes sense to me. Uh, whether waking up at 3.28 a.m. is exactly linked to your liver, I don't, I don't know how close it's linked, but definitely if you're struggling to sleep and you happen to have alcohol late at night or maybe have a sugary dessert or you just have a carb-heavy dinner, I would try eliminating caffeine. I would try not having caffeine from about lunchtime onwards. Um, I would try not having sort of heavy sugary products in the evening and I would try a more protein-heavy dinner and see. Um, but often that has worked. Definitely blood sugar levels and what your liver's doing and stuff will play a part in uh, The other thing well. is when you try to drink so much water, because I find with me, I always get up in the night to go to the toilet and drink more water because I try to drink a lot of water throughout the day. So this is another sob story of mine. So I had this exact same problem. Um, one, peeing in the night, I, I always said this, I, I would pee one or two times in the night and someone finally pointed out that that's possibly not normal. And so I did uh, research into it. One, peeing in the night is a, is a sign of fatigue. Um, often if you're someone, and often there'll be other um, signs, but you want to check that you're not overdoing things when you're peeing late at night or peeing in the middle of the night rather the other thing is obviously if you're just drinking too much water you've got to get rid of it so there is definitely a trend of being hydrated which is great um but you can be overhydrated so i was overhydrated as with everything in my life i've done too much of it so they said <laughs> learned the that, hard way yeah they said drinking two liters was good i was like well five liters must be better than <laughs> so i know people do this with exercise stuff all the time yeah so which we'll talk about after this <laughs> Yeah, sure. And so, very uh, quickly, use your urine as feedback for water. So, if your urine looks like it does when you wake up, so nice and yellow, that means you need some more water. If, however, you're... I used to pee clear. I used to think I was doing an ace job. That was... I couldn't be more hydrated, <laughs> which is true. But what you're actually doing is flushing your system. Mm. And you're... Another problem you're doing... Making your kidneys is, work harder, aren't you? Yeah, and you're diluting. Itself. So your sodium level, you're now diluting that. So you're causing another problem. Mm. Like everything, there's balance. If you want yeah. to be healthy... That's the hard bit, Think isn't it? balance. Everything in moderation, right? So don't overhydrate yourself either. So what you want is straw-coloured pee. Um, I'm sure you'd have thought when you invite me on, we wouldn't see it talking about <laughs> urine guy. We talked about poo earlier yeah. as well. So, but, it's, but they're feedback mechanisms. Yeah. You know, if you've got, if you've got terrible... Uh, stomach issues well th that's a feedback you know your stomach is not enjoying what you're putting in it now it could be stress so you will eject food quicker if you're stressed because your stress will shut down digestion or it could be just it doesn't like what you put in listen adjust same with water if you're peeing clear you know either maybe there's a la so one method is to reduce it another method is to put a pinch of organic unrefined sea salt into every about litre of water you drink and it will help balance the sodium levels and it will also help with absorption but what I try to do is I try to do my hydration early so in the first half of the day I'll drink quite a lot then I'll start monitoring my urine and just adjust if necessary but I don't have a lot of water after about 5 o'clock because I don't want to pee in the middle of the night so and also especially if you have people get bad at it because they forget in the day and it's even like oh my god I'm so thirsty and they wallop three glasses of water back plus if you have if you're eating healthy if you're having say chicken and vegetables at night there's a lot of water in that 
So that and two glasses of water, and you're probably going to need to pee. So mm. past five o'clock, I just tend to keep my mouth uh, lubricated, I guess. So you might have a little bit of water with your food to help it go down, but I'm not trying to hydrate myself at that point because it's likely to mess with your sleep. Very good advice. Let's um, talk a little bit more about that after this news. 91.8 Hayes FM, the Feast Fit Health and Fitness Show. Let's talk about over-exercise. We're yeah, talking okay. about all getting things all in balance, and the theme of today seems to be quite a lot about balance and how you've learned in your own life through your own experience of getting injuries and just talking then about drinking too much water and yep. not having enough sleep. Let's talk about over-exercise, because you mentioned earlier, obviously, with exercise, we get the endorphins. We all know that. But it can feel a little bit like a drug sometimes. You're getting that happy high, and then you almost feel you need more and then more. Yeah, yeah, you, absolutely. I mean, you've got to think about what's going on when, when you're exercising. So there's the... You know, trying to achieve a goal. There's, it feels good. Then at the gym, it's social. So you don't want to not do it because it, it's also like your hobby. So, and that was one of the problems that I had is that really I love training. I like the feel of it. I like feeling beaten up. I like feeling like I can't breathe properly. I like, you know, screaming like a banshee and lifting weights off the floor. I, I get a kick out of it. So <laughs> the, the problem is my hobby was beating me up. Um, and so to scale it back is it, difficult, it's problematic. And that's why you've always, you got to keep sight of what your body's telling you. You know, it, it it's telling you fact. Whether you want to listen to it or not is different. You know, if you, you can, your body can say that you're getting beaten up and we're going to get a cold and you can not want to listen, that's fine. But as I found out, you're just going to get the cold. You, you, there's no way around it. So it's better to work with your body than swim against the current. Um... And so, yeah, you, if you want to go to the gym six times because it's social, then how c- can you do it at a rate that doesn't beat your body up? You know, you can train a lot of days, but you can't train intensely every day. That doesn't work. Your body can only do what it can recover from. So all the good stuff, I know people are probably sick of this, but it's a saying because it's true. All the good stuff happens away from the gym, away from sport, when you recover, when you sleep. So... Most people are over-exercised. The people that are into it are over-exercised because, one, they're probably doing too much anyway just because they want to because it's a, you know, they don't just want to do heavy lifts. They want to do track sprints. They want to do Olympic lifting. They've got to do a kettlebell circuit just because it's fun. So not only is that problem, so there's more money going out now in the relation to our old analogy of money. There's more energy, more cash being spent. These people don't sleep either. You know, you, you the exercise people tend to do that and then out for a late night or late clients, early morning clients, if they're in the fitness industry. Um, Why do we applaud this? Well, there's something to be said for, I mean, people like hard work. It's great to see someone working hard. You know, when you see someone in great shape or a great athlete, in fact, they, you know, I get up in the morning when my opponent is, and I run while they're sleeping. It it seems like the, the hard workers are the the winners. Now, to an extent, that's true. The harder someone works, the better it is they get at something. To a point. And then you start to overdo everything. And there's a lot of research. If you, if you want to think of yourself a bit ahead of the curve, in a few years, the, the, in the fitness world, in the sport world, sorry, overtraining has become a big thing. People realise, you know, I don't need this, I don't need that, I don't need that. I actually just need better work, not more work. Train smarter, not harder. Yeah, it's coming. And it'll be more into the... Uh, it, most people in the sport world have heard of it and are starting to apply it, and I think it's going to come more and more into the general population. Um, it's the same with everything, you know. 
try and a really smart thing that people do that I, I like to try and that is try and find the minimal effective dose. We've all got things to do, you know. So how much time do I actually need to put into this to get what I want out of it? What's the minimum? I would do that, and then go off and do other. Go and learn a language. Go and do other things. Um, but there's also it. If you think of exercise, the same as medicine. If you're on a course of antibiotics, there's a dosage. There is a correct dosage. They don't. They don't just give you the pack of antibiotics. They go nuts. Have as many as you like. No. If you take too many, your kidneys will suffer. Well, if you overexercise, your joints, your hormones, your nerve system will suffer. It's the same. But well, I mean, I guess people do. I mean, obviously, people do get addicted to uh, painkillers and other things and stuff. And you, you can get addicted to exercise and endorphins. You've, and that's why it's so important to pay attention to you know your goal, what you're trying to achieve. If you're getting slower, if you're getting weaker, if you're getting worse, then, then you're overtraining. And health, you know, if you're getting less energy and you need more coffees, and if you need more paracetamol because your knees hurt, something is off. You're either training way too much, or you're or you're training wrong. You're, you're doing something wrong. But listening. What do you think about things like pre-workouts then? As in supplements and things. Yeah. So I, I think, and I've tried all sorts of supplements. Uh, I think that if you had the right, I don't take any. Um, personally, that's because I couldn't really find one I completely trusted. So I mean, I, I try and eat healthily. So I don't want loads of e numbers and things I don't know and sugar in my food. Nor do I want it in my supplements. So there was loads of ingredients that I didn't understand in supplements. So I don't want them. So that's out. It was very expensive and I wasn't 100% sure that I'm getting anything from this. And also I think it's hard to tell how you feel, you know. Again, if you're, if you feel you can't work out and then you take the mega caffeine pill and now you can, well of course you can. Does it mean you should? I don't know. Your body seemed to tell you you shouldn't and now you've shoved rocket fuel in and all of a sudden you can work out. Cool. So you're not listening to body anymore? No. Like, I mean, should an athlete take it? Well... Maybe, because if he doesn't train and he's a boxer and he's going to get his head knocked off, maybe, he maybe needs the boost because he's got a fight coming on you know, November 2nd, whether he likes it or not. But if it's the average person, just leave it. Go do some stretching and train tomorrow. Um, I think there's, there's a great, like, y- YOLO, like, you only live once. Cool, well, great, I understand the sentiment in the sense that, like, don't put things off and stuff, but if you spend all your money everything you own and all your energy in one day what happens if you do lift it tomorrow you now got a problem <laughs> so like it's, it's balance isn't it you can't just rinse your body because it's the here and the now and you know we need to get stronger today all right cool but you have got to wake up and go to work tomorrow we are assuming that's going to happen right we're assuming the world isn't ending tonight so balance a little bit and i don't want to be i'm definitely not the i mean if people knew me in depth i'm definitely not the person that if you know if i go to a trampoline park i'm going to try and do a backflip should i probably not but i I want to (laughs) so i'm not at that point i'm not thinking about how my body's going to feel at 80 but day to day throughout the week for seven days i am thinking about it a little bit you know i'm not the i love cake and things if i'm at a birthday i'm a hundred percent having the cake i'm judging the birthday party based on how good the (laughs) cake is but that's one day. Do I do that seven days a week? No, because eighty-year-old me would hate that. Um, so it's balanced. I, do, I don't. I don't think. You, and so to come back to the over-exercising point, should you exercise? Absolutely. Do I probably exercise a bit too much? Probably. 
I'm probably going to have knee pains and back pains that I don't didn't need to have when I'm older. But, you know, I do want to get better at jiu-jitsu. I think that's a part of living. I want to experience that. If I had a cold or I had a really bad rib injury, would I have gone to jiu-jitsu when I was 23? Yes, I would have gone anyway. Now, recently, I had a rib injury. Do I leave it? Of course I do. Because I've got, I got work to do. I've got friends to see. I don't want a broken rib. There's no, this is pointless. So I'll just rest up for a couple of weeks and go back because, you know, there is next week. Hmm. So, it, I, again, it's just balance, isn't it? Yes, you can't put everything off till tomorrow because then nothing gets done. You can't not train every time you're a bit tired or had a bad day because you never train. But if you're a fairly healthy individual and your body's telling you you're tired, well, then listen to it and have a day off. We have a tiny break now, and we're going to come back to talk about the balance in food. Cool. 21.8, Hayes FM, the Feast Fit Health and Fitness Show. We're at the last 20 minutes of the show. In fact, 15 now. So we're going to speed through the rest of the questions. And we've been talking mainly about balance today in terms of your health and fitness. And so let's talk a little bit about eating, nutrition, and how do we get the balance in terms of our food? Because, again, you can be eating really clean, in quotes, um, and then still that's not going to do you any good either. So how would you explain the balance in terms of nutrition? I, food is a really, probably of all the ones, uh, food is one of the trickiest ones because there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of information and there's, and there's quite an emotional attachment to food because you, you have really fond memories of what you grow up eating and obviously as the information changes, you know, maybe the food you ate when you were younger wasn't that healthy and so you don't want to kind of criticise your parents. So there's a lot going on with, with food. The easiest suggestion I have is to eat real food. Start with that. And the, the easiest way to do that is it should be a single ingredient food. A chicken is a chicken. An apple doesn't have an ingredient in it. It is just an apple. You can make food out. I mean, obviously, then put them into uh, pots of things and make delicious dinners and lunches and stuff. But if you can use single ingredient foods and natural foods, then you can't go that far wrong. If it's a word you can't pronounce, or it's an E number, or it's white sugar, white flour, white salt, which is a very refined, like skim milk, a very refined version. So it was something that was real, and now it's gone through a process, 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 process. You've lost the natural part of it. So come back, get the natural ingredient. If you don't like it, don't have it, if that makes sense. So I mean, with milk being an example, I would have the full fat. Really what you want is raw milk. It's quite hard to get hold of, because... Once you pasteurize it and homogenize it, you're now it's going to turn. So they've got to put stuff in that to stop that. And if they take all the fat away, they've got to put more stuff in it to stop it from just turning. So where do you find real milk? Raw well, milk? Well, I mean, raw milk is quite hard to get hold of because there's uh, people are worried about the enzymes and bacteria and stuff in them. So it's actually quite hard to do. Probably your best bet. I mean, if you go to somewhere like Waitrose, I'm sure other places do it. You can get unhomogenized uh, organic, so full fat, so it's as it was organic, so it wasn't fed. The cows weren't fed growth hormone and stuff that will in turn get into the milk, um, and then unhomogenized. And you'll realise it's unhomogenized because it will be like creamy and lumpy on top. You have to give it a shake. Mm-hmm. Which again, they homogenize it because most people don't want lumpy milk because it's gross apparently. But that's just, I mean, that's just what milk looks like um so so if they but if they homogenize it they put it through the process that makes it smooth they've then got to add something to it to stop it from turning so 
I always get people to work backwards. Meet me wherever you can. You know, if you can go full fat, cool. You know, if you can then go organic, brilliant. If you can then go unhomogenized, even better. But what about lactose-free and all of these different types of milks? And should we be trying to stay away from maybe cow's milk and have different animal milk or maybe even just almond milk and rice milk? What's your opinion on those? Um, I think that it's very complicated. I think that people really, in reality, you'd have to test everyone to find out individually whether it's right for you or not. You know, And this comes back to feedback mechanisms. If every time you have milk, your stomach gurgles and you have digestive issues, try not having milk. And if it all gets better don't have milk anymore um i i think and, and there are things like wheat and dairy are just harder on the digestive system anyway for anyone than other foods so with dairy i do better on sort of cheese and yogurt than i do with milk i don't have milk that much it just doesn't work for me very well but i do get on very well with yogurt and i do get quite on well uh with cheese so that's what i do i i think whenever you get sugar-free lactose-free stuff you've got to how do they do that so when you've got a sugar-free sort of yogurt you know well is it if you just put artificial sweetener in it to like how did you get it to taste the same but you took something out of it so i'm always very skeptical on that other milks like coconut milk and almond milk and stuff again if they're not heavily processed and they've got a bunch of if it's just you know uh hazelnuts and water and stuff then yeah it's two natural ingredients um put together and i think that's where a lot of people gone wrong is with the with processed foods it used to be that someone would make like a homemade shepherd's pie freeze it and then you could buy it and just warm it up and that was convenient and that actually kind of makes sense you could do that i mean people do that now don't they the, the health and fitness industry is full of food prep you know you cook stuff up on a sunday and you freeze it so it's ready unfortunately that became a business and so if we use cheaper ingredients we can make more profit and if we can make and then we've got things going to travel between countries so we've got to put stuff in it so it actually doesn't go off and now what you thought was just a lovely homemade shepherd's pie that you would make isn't so a trick would be to if you look at something that's pre-packaged if it, all the ingredients in it are something that you would put in it if you made it from scratch then go ahead would you put e-numbers and other things and, you know, absorbing agents in your shepherd's pie? No, not really. So don't buy one with it in. And that just comes back to the real food. Once you're eating real food, you know, can you be out of balance carb-wise? Yeah, that's then, as you alluded to earlier, a really interesting point, like based on where you're from, your genetics, you will do better on different foods. Some people do really good on just proteins. Some people are good sort of 50-50 protein carbs and well, protein and fats versus carbs and some people do better on carbs you i mean there are tests you can do to figure that out and you can also just trial and error and see how your body feels and see how your body feels and i think uh, with the other things we we're talking about as well today it seems a lot of people because they're so busy so stressed we've become so dissociated with our bodies we don't know what our natural signals are anymore including even when you're hungry and when you're full when we're so used to eating off a meal plan or what somebody else has told us to eat and when we don't even listen to our own bodies anymore. Yeah, people just finish what's on the plate, but they probably push through the last ten mouthfuls because they're a bit full. You know, if you cook up, well, I'm, I think it's great that if you if you're using real foods and stuff, you, you know, leftovers are great. Just something to eat tomorrow, isn't it? So if you've got a plate full of stuff and you think, you know what, today not that hungry, stop, cover it, 
eat it or tomorrow. If you're more hungry, have a bit more. Have a bit more. Like uh, the, the, this is the thing with exercising is people want to plan because there's so much going on in life. People want an exercise plan. Right, cool. I'll do that every every week. That's my plan. I'll eat this every day. That's my plan. Well, life's not like that. You know, your hormones go through cycles. Your your body naturally goes through cycles. Sometimes, and you'll do different things. If you have a super manic day, you probably need some more food. If you uh, so having the exercise plan, but if you have, if you've got a cold, don't stick to the plan. Change the plan. But it takes effort, and people are time poor, energy poor, and unfortunately, you know, fast food comes in and exercise goes out, and we get ourselves off balance. But my advice to people is that the healthier you are, the better everything will be. And it's a really easy example is like if you think of a tired baby, they end up throwing their toys out the pram about silly things. Well, you can do that as an adult. If you're unhealthy, if you lack of energy or not the right food, you know, your wife might say, or your husband might say something to you that normally you'd have been fine with, but now you're going to fly off the handle because you're having a sugar binge and you haven't slept properly for three weeks. So I, everything will work a bit better. It's worth the effort. Everything feels... Ener- having energy and clarity and, you know, not having pain uh, is fantastic. We kind of call it... Um, we kind of strive for unrestricted living. You know, you don't want to... That sounds nice. You, you, well, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a bit airy-fairy. I mean, obviously, there are restrictions and stuff, but don't put your own restrictions on. You know, if you eat so badly that now you've had to go on this really strict diet and you can't enjoy a beer on holiday and you can't have a bit of your son's birthday cake, you know, you're being restricted by things. If you can't, you know, push a kid above your head or push him on the swings or, you know, run around with them, you're being restricted. If you can't play tennis with your best mate, just as a knock you're restricted you don't these things are fixable you know you can move around your body you should be able to eat things and have a beer and not be a huge worry and same you know body image wise you know you want to not you want to be able to go to the beach and not worry about it and that could be both ways that you're you know overly worried about things because of the media and stuff or that you you know haven't done as much moving and haven't eaten as well as you should and you're not looking the way you want you know these things are all manageable it sounds like your approach to your business and also your own life is to be very relaxed but also quite like you're in control of everything because you've managed to get to that place which is interesting because i feel like to get there you have to let go of control a little bit and it, it, the trouble is is a little bit you like kids you've got to touch the hot plate you know you can tell them i can tell people all, all my experiences and sometimes they've got to do it themselves um I, so usually when i do chats like this and uh, speaking to you is I try and put ideas out there and the sense that like if you're struggling with any of these things don't lose hope you know it can be helped you might have to experience some of these things to realise you want to change them but when you do there are people out there that can help you, you know, if you if you are experiencing chronic fatigue if you have got back pain if you are struggling with you know mental like kind of body dysmorphia or any of these things that I don't know are being confused by things there are people out there that can help that don't suffer with it alone you know can I stop and it don't stop there when the GP says well that's it now that's you yeah you know, you've got to live with that you no know, there are plenty of other opinions there are plenty of other options you know medicine isn't taking a pill isn't the only thing you know the physio that says you shouldn't lift weights anymore you know maybe it's just glute stretching as I found out it's and it's, don't get me wrong there are great doctors and great physios out there and, and there are great trainers out there there are also ridiculously awful trainers out there so don't be put off you know keep searching until you find someone that can can help you and mm-hmm. and value some health you know and on that note 
if anyone wants to contact you or come down for an assessment, do you want to give us your details? Yeah, so I mean, to find out more information about us and stuff, apsfitness.co.uk um, is our website and there's a contact form and stuff from there. And, and we offer a, like a free chat. Um, people usually call it sort of consultation, don't they? But it's not that formal. Let's come down, have a chat. You can tell us what's up. We can tell you what we do. You can bounce any questions you have off of us. And although it's not in Hayes, it's not very far, is it? I've been to you, I think it took me about 20 minutes. Yeah, we're about to 25 minutes uh, up the M4 in Maidenhead. But um, also, you know, we've got uh, knowledge of people in different areas and stuff. So even if you're interested in stuff, but we're too far away, drop me a message and I'll see, see if I can find someone else to help you. Brilliant. So all details are on your website? Yeah, apsfitness.co.uk. Instagram? Yeah, apsfitness on Facebook and, and uh, Instagram. And yeah, come say hello. Brilliant. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for putting up with all my rambling. No, it was brilliant. You've definitely left us with some good nuggets. I'm just thinking I might even take some of them and put a little clip it at the beginning when I put this on a podcast. So if you have just joined us, this whole interview will be available on my podcast, which is on iTunes and SoundCloud, the 91.8 Hayes FM Fustal Fit Health and Fitness Show. And you'll be able to dive into any of the topics. Um, they'll all be in the show notes. So we shall see you next week. Thank you, Matt, for coming in. Thank you very much for having me. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave Nicola a review on iTunes. You can also check out the show notes and get other free content on her website, fustalfit.co.uk. If you'd like to contact Nicola, email nicola at fustalfit.co.uk.